Okay, the Bible is the inspired Word of God. The inspired Word of God, that's a kind of an important phrase. The Holy Spirit moved men to write the Bible in its original form. The Bible was without error. Okay, so we use the inerrancy of Scripture phrase. The Bible uh, is without error, inspired by God, speaking through motivating people. Now, Uh, the, in its original form, was without error. So in the transcription of Scripture, down from that, it was copied and it was copied and it was copied and it was copied. And if you go and dig up um, pieces of, of uh, parchment and clay and various things, you'll see that there are some variations. So I took a class when I was in school called um, Textual Criticism which is basically a comparison of the various uh, fragments and sections of Scripture and the differences and which one are, is most original because obviously there's some uh, that are more accurate than others. And so this statement was important because when I first started the class, I thought, wow, there's all these differences. How do we know what's true? And this statement, you can take, the, uh, take them by random or take the worst, and it influences the message of the Bible virtually zero. Uh, and so there are differences and changes, but it's uh, basically insignificant. A few minor little things about things, but when you talk about the gospel, the basic message of God, as well, you take every variation there is, just take them by random, arbitrary, come up with a manuscript, or take the worst. Of That would be, okay, that wouldn't be a very good... and. The, the, the impact on us is virtually zero. And so over the years of when it was first written and then written by a scribe and another one written and a written and a written, you would think that there would be huge uh, problems and issues and discrepancies, but there's very, very few. It's, um, it's amazing how God worked in all of that. But there are those variations. Sometimes people will make a big deal out of that, but it's uh, not much of a big deal considering all the opportunities there were for mistakes to be made. Yeah, yeah, if you read, again, the, the process of writing, there was all kinds of checks. They were, it was always done in multiple teams, never on by yourself, and uh, they had ways of checking and counting, and I mean, it was over the years. And so the basic rule of, okay, you've got three documents. They're a little bit different. How do you pick the one that's most original? There's basic uh, principles there, and one of the basic rules is the shortest one is usually almost the oldest. Because if you're going to make a change, it's almost always to add. Some scribe thinks, I, I, I think I'll add a little bit here. And so it's almost all. So there were just these rules that we went through uh, when I took the class on textual criticism as determining which was the oldest. And so obviously one of the things that's true today is that when you uh, are doing digs and looking for these things, uh, which one's the oldest? Farther down you go, the older it is. And so uh, stuff you got 100 years ago or today, uh, they continue to go down. And so 
the, the more recent the discovery, generally speaking, the older it is, uh, just because it's farther down, deeper, and it's therefore older. So they just have those guidelines. But again, that statement, I remember reading that, take uh, all the variations uh, by random choice or just pick the very worst ones. And the message, the basic message of the Bible is not impacted at all. So uh, this is a foundational statement of belief. The, the Bible is the inspired word of God. Uh, it's, my, it's my connection with God in the sense of God is uh, God who communicates to us and the Bible is the tool in which he does that. The Bible is our ultimate authority of what is true, what God's will is for our life. And so sometimes I will quote a verse and people will look at me and say, do you believe that? I said, that's the Bible. Uh, it's not my opinion, it's God's. And so I regularly will say that. Uh, this is what the Bible says. This is right there, perfect. I'm not adding, taking away. Uh, this is what the Bible says. And so I believe it to be true uh, in its entirety. All Scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be adequate, equipped for every good work. And so that's a great verse. If, if you were looking for one to memorize, that would be a great uh, verse to memorize. All Scripture is inspired by God. <clears throat> So that your trust may be in the Lord, I have taught you today, even you. I ha- have I not written to you excellent things of counsel and knowledge to make you know the certainty of the words of truth that you may correctly answer him who sent you. And uh, so written excellent things, truth of God's word. Second Peter, uh, so we have the prof- prophetic word made more sure to which you do well to pay attention as to a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star arises in your hearts. But know this, first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture is a matter of one's own interpretation. No prophecy was ever made by an act of human will, but men moved by the Holy Spirit spoke from God. No prophecy was an act of human will, uh, though they may have thought it was their idea. The Holy Spirit was prompting and speaking through people as they wrote the word. And uh, this is not speaking directly to the Scripture, but the process is very clear here. David talking to Solomon about his uh, plans that he wrote about the temple that he gave to him. He said, All this said David, the Lord made me understand in writing or while writing by his hand upon me all the details of this pattern. So David said, I wrote God's hand was upon me. It is God's will that we read the Bible faithfully, systematically, in order to know His will, what is true, and to grow in our character and relationship with God. And so if there's anything that you know about me, that what I believe is true, it's that. Uh, God wants us to read the Word faithfully because He has inspired it and He's given it to us over the years, protected it, and everything that we need to know about God, about how to live life, uh, and how to serve him is in the Bible. And so we need to read it systematically. Diligence in the discipline of reading and studying is a major requirement our, on our part to know and understand the Word of God, along with the teaching and leading of the Holy Spirit in our lives to enlighten us. Now, one of the things that uh, anybody knows is if you compare various uh, denominations, talk to people, read books, uh, there is a huge difference in what we would call theology. 
And so the question is how, uh, if we're reading from the same Bible, how do those happen? Uh, those differences in belief and theology and the obvious answer is that we read the Bible and interpret it different, get different things out of it, and some of it uh, often is just simply from tradition. It's not the Bible at all. It's just things that were introduced and practiced and pretty soon it became truth right along with the Bible. But uh, we want to in, uh, interpret the Bible and so we understand that the Spirit of God works in us in a supernatural, alive book. But I have a responsibility when I read it. You have a responsibility when you read it to study it and to follow principles because there are certain ways of interpreting things that if you don't follow uh, and the rules, you're going to come up with off-the-wall strange kinds of things. And so that becomes one of the key issues is diligence uh, in study and reading. It's not something that you read and then uh, you, know, you just understand. And if anybody reads much, they understand there's some of this. You read it and you read it and you read it and you scratch your head and you keep working at it and keep studying diligently to figure out what's there and what the truth of the Word of God is. Abraham said, they have, uh, they have Moses and the prophets, let them hear them. Uh, you remember the story about uh, Lazarus, uh, the poor man dying and being carried away, and, and then the rich man dying, and he's in a place of torment. And in the story, uh, there's, uh, visually uh, he can, they can see, and he says, Lord, I got some brothers that are going to end up where I am. I'd really like it if that doesn't happen. And so he wants them uh, to, uh, God to send a message to them. And Abraham said, they have Moses and the prophets, let them hear them. But he said, no, Father Abraham, but if someone goes to them from the dead, they will repent. And, uh, and he says to him, if they do not listen to Moses and the prophets, that is the word of God, they will not be persuaded even if someone rises from the dead. And so... Uh, the Word of God is powerful, and if that doesn't convince them, nothing will convince them. Not even somebody that rises from the dead and says, it's a bad place I'm at, don't, 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 don't go there, uh, believe. And uh, so the, uh, the statement, if they don't believe the Bible, if that doesn't change their heart, nothing will. For whatever was written in earlier times was written for our instruction, so that through perseverance and the encouragement of the Scriptures, we might have hope. He shall not multiply wise for himself or else his heart will turn away, nor shall he greatly increase silver and gold for himself. Rules for kings, which uh, Solomon blew both those. Now it shall come about that when he sits on the throne of his kingdom, he shall write for himself a copy of this law on a scroll in the presence of the Levitical priests. And so there was always a priest observing to make sure it was copied and done right. Uh, it shall be with him and he shall read it all the days of his life. He shall read it all the days of his life. All the days of his life. What does that mean? Every day, every day, every day. Yeah, somebody got it. Good, man. He shall read it all the days of his life so that he may learn to fear the Lord his God by carefully observing all the words of this law and these statutes, by carefully observing, reading it every day, carefully observing it, that his heart may not be lifted above his countrymen, that he may not turn aside from the commandment to the right or to the left, so that he and his sons may continue long in his kingdom in the midst of Israel. And so he'll persevere, he'll live right, he won't go to the right or to the left. He'll be a man of God by reading it every day, every day, every day, paying attention to what's in it. And uh, I took that literally 
years ago, I wrote out my own copy of the Bible and uh, had it in a ring binder notebook. I shouldn't say that. I wrote out the New Testament. And uh, what I did, I was taking Greek class, and I got inspired, and I uh, bought a, a uh, Greek Testament that was um, in a ring binder form. It was a big, thick thing. And then I translated it all according to my class principles and wrote out the deduke translation of the New Testament. And so I still have that if any of you are interested in buying it from me. <laughs> that was back when I was a freshman so in college, so it's probably not as accurate. It would have been had I taken after I did Greek uh, year two. First Corinthians one twenty one. For since in the wisdom of God, the world, uh, world through its wisdom did not come to know God. God was well pleased through the foolishness of the message preached to save those who believe. Did I skip a point? Okay. And so the, the preaching of the word, the law of the Lord is perfect, restoring the soul. The law of the Lord, the word of God, uh, restoring the soul, inner uh, person. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise is simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. And uh, all of that is true of the Bible, so we read it. Number three, as we study a passage of the Bible, we first determine the interpretation of that passage and then make application of it to our lives. The basic principle is one interpretation, many applications. Now, if there's anything that is violated all the time, it's this principle. So there's one interpretation of any section of the Bible, and there is many applications and so application is just that. It isn't on the same level as interpretation. In other words, the one meaning of what the Bible teaches, there's only one. There's not many. And so if someone says, you know, what, is the, what, does, it say to, what does it mean to you? That statement is uh, borderline heresy. Uh, it's not what it means to you, what it means to me. It's not how God speaks to you or to me. There's one interpretation of the Bible, only one. And when we discover the one, then we can make application and we understand that it is application based on our situation, our circumstance. But we first discover and figure out what the one interpretation is. If you don't do that, you end up with all kinds of uh, foolishness. That's positive word. Ezra had set his heart to study the law of the Lord and to practice it and to teach his statutes and ordinances in Israel. That's a good order for anybody that's a teacher, to study it, to practice it, then teach it. Um, So you don't teach it before you practice it. As we study the Bible, we take it to be a literal book with each part written to real people at the time of its writing. And so whenever it was written, there was an audience. And so before I was married... Uh, Patty, uh, we got engaged, and then she went to California. I went to Washington. We were separated by three months, and then we got married. During that three-month period, I wrote a letter every day uh, to her, and I got really ticked off if she didn't write one to me every day. <laughs> but, uh, and uh, so I wrote, and uh, she got it. And then the bad thing is that when she wrote to me, uh, our mailbox... Somebody went out to get the mail every day. I tried to be the one that get, to get it, but sometimes I wasn't. 
And sometimes when my brothers would get there first, they would see there was a letter to me, and they would uh, read it. <laughs> and I would say, that wasn't written to you. wasn't your name. Oh, I, I didn't even notice. I'm sorry. Yeah, right. <laughs> so I was the one it was written to. And so it was written with me in mind. I wrote to her. And so the books in the Bible were written by a real person to real people in a context. And so we always understand that. And so it wasn't written to me. It was written to whoever. And uh, then the principles, the interpretation, I discover. Um, read that together. As we study the Bible, we take it to be a literal book with each part written to real people at the time of its writing who would understand it by the normal use of the words and language, not allegorical or mystical. And so, again, we take it uh, to be a literal book, and we interpret it literally in the normal way that language is understood, uh, not allegorical or mystical. As soon as you jump to that uh, principle, it can mean whatever you want it to mean. Uh, you can come up with all kinds of uh, parallels and synonyms and pictures and things, and people do it all the time. Uh, and the Bible becomes a book of fairy tales once that route has gone down. You can come up with any doctrine you want to come up with. And so we stick to the literal interpretation, which doesn't uh, mean that... Uh, well, I'll move on here and show you. The normal use of the words takes into consideration figures of speech and other literary methods of communicating. Uh, and so... Uh, we use figures of speech all the time, and we understand that, and uh, we interpret it in light of that. And so there's a wooden literalism where uh, um, we use the word heart. We're obviously understanding what that word means, and uh, if we use different phrases, we understand there's uh, typical figures of speech. We recognize that the use of those in our language, uh, we understand them because we get it but so when we read the bible we have to figure out what those are and um, get some help in that area so literal not allegorical not mystical uh, language is used in a regular sort of way when i write a letter to you i write and you understand you write back you understand we use various phrases and uh, so we interpret it literally and interpret the meaning of the words in light of the history and the culture at the time of the writing and so it was writing and written in a culture setting, it was written in a historical setting, and so we understand that, and there's available resources to help us to do that in regards to what the audience was experiencing at any given time. As we read and study the Bible, we recognize that the people who are written to are the ones that the one interpretation is for. The people who are written for, the interpretation that we're looking for was for them, and so application is almost always when we apply it to us. Again, so I, we've used this illustration. God said to uh, Adam, don't eat that fruit. And so the interpretation is, Adam, don't eat that fruit. Uh, so people can say, well, I've got to find something I don't eat. Why? Well, because God commanded Adam not to eat the fruit. We, we need to do the same. Why? Uh, make application, which means be obedient to the commands that you have from God. That one wasn't written to you. That was written to Adam. Uh, and so it's just a simple matter of understanding that everything was written to an audience, a person, in a context, in a history, in a culture, and we interpret that with one interpretation. Once we discover the interpretation to the person that received it, 
then we can make application to our own life from that. So, how many interpretations? One. How many applications? Many. Um, that, that rule is violated. I mean, you can pick up half the books in Christian bookstores and see that one messed up regularly. Uh, and so that's uh, important that we follow that basic principle. We don't read that one interpretation into our own lives, but instead we make application of it. Number six is we read and study the Bible, we recognize that it was written over the time span of many years and that God's truth to us was revealed progressively. Progressively. And so when you read Genesis, is there some uh, information missing? A whole lot. And so you move through the Bible and it's revealed progressively. There's information that gets revealed that wasn't previously revealed. Often that's indicated by a word, the word, huh? Mystery. I tell you a mystery, Paul said. That means this is new stuff. Never been written before. And so there's a, a rule that seems obvious, but people mess it up all the time, is they will read the book of Genesis and read into it information in the book of Revelation. In other words, they make this assumption that Everybody uh, that read the book of Genesis understood the book of Revelation. Well, how could they understand the book of Revelation? It wasn't written. But we will make that kind of thing where we put everything on equal standing in the sense of when it was given. And so you read the book of Genesis and remember, uh, Revelation wasn't written yet. And so you can't interpret it in light of what uh, wasn't written at that point. Uh, Therefore, we don't read into earlier writings what was written later. And we use earlier writings to help understand that which was written later. So it's like building a house. You start at the foundation and add to it uh, from the floor up to the top. So Revelation, you're going to understand it from everything that was written prior to that. So John, the Apostle John, wrote Revelation. He was inspired by God, but also he had a head. And he wrote as uh, most of the time they were unaware of that inspiration. Uh, As they wrote, it wasn't like they were... uh, Occasionally there was sort of a... Uh, supernatural, but usually it was just a general kind of writing a letter. So the Apostle John understood, read, studied all the books that had come before, and so as he wrote, he wrote to an audience that had read that, and he knew that. So we interpret the book of Revelation in light of everything that had gone on before, but we don't reverse that. Okay, that makes sense? Yes, sir. Do you think that the Holy Spirit still inspired people to write? Uh, yeah, to a sense. We're not going to put it equal with the Bible. But yeah, yeah, I do believe that the Spirit of God speaks through, through people and um, He anoints them, He gives them unction. There's different words that are used. And yeah, I do. So an example, um, Billy Graham, I just believe that God's hand has been on him and he has an anointing. And so when they do a video they did recently for to celebrate his 99th birthday or whatever it was, I pay special attention to that. It's simply just because he has been a faithful man. I just believe that, again, his, God's hand is on him, the anointing is on him, and he's just got some unction. And so I'm going to pay attention uh, as opposed to others that I don't have a clue on whether they've got that same anointing or not. So then uh, you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and are of God's household, having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets. The foundation 
the apostles and prophets. So he's talking about a progression that takes place there. <clears throat> Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone in whom the whole building being fitted together is growing into a holy temple in the Lord in whom you also are being built together into a dwelling of God in the Spirit. Hebrews 1, God after he spoke long ago to the fathers and the prophets in many portions and in many ways. God spoke many ways through the prophets. In uh, these last days has spoken to us in his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the world. So God over the years has spoken in a variety of ways through many different people. Number seven, it is God's will that we systematically memorize the Word of God, that we meditate on that which we have memorized so that God's Word supernaturally changes us from the inside out. <clears throat> so again, uh, if you've been around long, you hear me uh, nag and nag and nag. There's certain things that I repeatedly nag on. And because of the Bible, uh, the inspiration, it's inspired, it's our authority, our sole authority. We know God, we know His will, we know how to live through the Word, so we read it, we study it, and we memorize it. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. You shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written. And you can't meditate on that which you haven't memorized or don't know well. And so the meditation part of God's Word is what moves it into our core of our being so then you will make your way prosperous and you'll have success. Psalms 1-2, But his delight is in the law of the Lord and in his law he meditates day and night. He meditates day and night. He will be like a tree firmly planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in its season. His leaf does not wither. Whatever he does, he prospers because of the power of God's word. How can a young man keep his way pure? By keeping it according to your word. With all my heart I have sought you. Do not let me wander from your commandments. Your word I have treasured in my heart. I have treasured in my heart. I have memorized it so they may not sin against you. Eight, God speaks to believers today in a variety of ways, but predominantly through the written word of God, the Bible, and all other avenues of hearing from God are subservient to the Bible. And so God speaks, communicates to us in a variety of ways, but all of those, if somebody says something God told me and it doesn't line up with the word of God, it was not God that said it. And that's so important because we live in a day and age when everybody has a word from God. And uh, there's a lot of it that's uh, foolishness. And so know God's word well, and you'll know what's truth when you hear it. God communicates to us through other people, both positively and negatively. That is affirming things or reproving. He communicates to us through other people incidentally. That is just randomly as we have conversations and also as we seek it through counsel and advice. So that's a normal way that God works in us. He talks to us through people. Most of the time we miss it. We don't even hear it because it's not like they say, hey, by the way, uh, I just got an anointing from God and I have a message to you. Uh, that's not how it usually happens. It's just normal conversation, but God will prompt people to say things. Uh, and as we pay attention and we think, uh, that seems like a perfect timing right there. I better pay attention to that. And so it's a discipline. Does somebody have their hand up back there? Just stretching? He especially communicates to us through the preaching and teaching of his word through gifted teachers. So that's a method that God chooses to use. Um, but we have to be careful there because there's a lot of weirdos preaching today. Uh, they're not even close to true. Let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth. Only such a word as is good for edification according to the need of the moment so that it may give grace, give grace to those who hear. So God communicates, reproves, motivates, 
gives direction through people who are prompted by him uh, to say things. I've shared this story with you before. But way back in the early days of pastoring, when I was uh, quit every Monday and got super burnt out and discouraged and depressed because of my multitude of failures, I was out in the front of the old ch- uh, the chapel before we had, a, it was gravel, and uh, that we put some railroad ties around the lawn uh, to put the gravel up to. And I was out digging, uh, putting those railroad ties in. This lady drives in the driveway and she says, uh, hello. I don't know who you are uh, or anything about you, but I was driving down by your church and I just was prompted to come in and say to somebody, uh, don't get weary, don't quit, God will bless in due time. Have a good day, see ya. I don't have a clue who she was. She didn't introduce herself. She just drove in, spoke to me and left. Uh, uh, That was well-timed word for me that uh, I was convinced that you know, it was a quote right out of the Bible in Galatians 5. Don't grow weary in well-doing. In due time, you'll reap. Uh, but uh, so it was given to me through a person, and I took it directly from, uh, as coming from God. But since in the wisdom of God, the world through its wisdom did not come to know God, God was well pleased through the foolishness of the message preached. Uh, and so he works through the preaching of the word. Number 10, God communicates generally to us about his nature and person through his creation very clearly uses creation to illustrate the message of his word. So uh, you read the book of Proverbs. It's all the time illustrating truth from creation. It's, uh, it's like a, uh, me telling a story to illustrate a principle. God does that all the time. We live in the midst of his illustration of his word. And so regularly there's um, truth that's revealed by his creation. And Proverbs brings that up all the time. Go to the ant, you sluggard. And look and see how they live and try practicing the same thing. And so there's lots of illustrations given through creation. Because that which is known about God is evident within them, God made it evident to them. So God communicates. For since the creation of the world, His invisible attributes, His eternal power, His divine nature, have been clearly seen being understood through what has been made so that they are without excuse. So God communicates through His creation and it's clearly seen having be, being understood through what has been made. So how did the devil mess that one up? Huh? As a key way, he really... Huh? Evolution. Evolution. You ever talk to anybody that's... An, I mean, it's like something's driving this thing to be so more than just academics. I mean, there's this passion. You get into that... I believe it's about as demonically driven as anything that we have going on today because you get rid of this uh, and you mess up the message of God and you say, creation didn't happen because of God, it just happened totally by accident. Uh, and so it's a big, I mean, there's a lot of Christian organizations and institutions uh, that uh, my kids went to Multnomah. They now have adopted the policy of theistic evolution as their main teaching, which is just a compromise with the world. Uh, this basically is, we believe in creation, but we also believe in evolution. It's like, uh, give me a break. Uh, and so, is God God or isn't he? It's like, we don't really believe God's big enough to do that, so we're going to have to help him out a bit with this, give him some, uh, uh, grant him some favor in some of these areas and ways. But as soon as you take away uh, creation, you might as well cut this verse out of your Bible in a sense of, 
Uh, if it's happening by accident, how is it going to illustrate God's nature and His attributes? The heavens are telling of the glory of God. The heavens are telling of the glory of God. Their expanse is declaring the work of His hands. Day to day pours forth speech. Night to night reveals knowledge. There is no speech, nor are there words. Their voice is not heard. Their line has, has gone out through all the earth, and their utterances to the end of the world. In them He has placed a tent for the sun. Uh, <clears throat> Number 11, God communicates, speaks to us directly, and normally we would hear Him in our thoughts. The challenge for believers is to discern God's voice from the other voices in our thoughts. Now, a lot of people, again, and uh, if you're going to discern God's voice out of all the other voices in your head, including the devil, uh, is that going to take, is that going to be easy? No, it's going to be difficult. It's going to take discernment, and it's going to take wisdom it's going to take maturity, and it's something that's going to happen after a process of time of getting good at it. And uh, there's, in my opinion, very few people ever get to that point uh, because they don't even think about what they're thinking. They don't listen to what they're thinking, and they don't get very good at discerning the difference between God's voice and the other voices in their head. The only ones who do are the ones who read the Bible a lot. Uh, if you read the Bible, incidentally, occasionally, with very little study, and then you come up with a statement, God told me, I'm going to take that with about 10 grains of salt. Um, I'll start at the beginning here. Let's see. Oh, man. God communicates, speaks to us directly, and normally we would hear him in our thoughts. The challenge for believers is to discern God's voice from the other voices in our thoughts that come from the devil, his demons, the world around us, and our own nature. The key to accurately discerning God's voice is knowing the word of God well. Knowing the word of God well. Nehemiah 2.12, I rose in the night, I and a few men with me. I did not tell anyone what my God was putting into my mind to do for Jerusalem. What God was putting into my mind to do for Jerusalem. So God puts in our mind. Uh, he speaks to us. We hear him in our thoughts. <clears throat> my uh, sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. Number 12, God communicates to all people through their conscience in regards to the need for justice, the fact that there is a right and wrong, and specifically what is right and what is wrong. So uh, if you read C.S. Lewis, Mere Christianity, uh, what was it that ultimately was the seed that brought him to Christ? Anybody read that book? It was the awareness that uh, he was an atheist, and then he became aware of the fact that no matter where you go, everybody believes there's a right and a wrong. Where did that come from? And so with him, that was the proof that there was indeed a God, uh, that there was in every individual a sense of right and wrong. There was a conscience uh, and uh, that people could sear their conscience and harden it. But that was universally true. That sense of justice, even kids at an early age, that's not right, that's wrong. That sense of right and wrong is, uh, for, was for him an obvious uh, uh, proof that there is a God. And uh, he put that in us. The details of what is right and wrong will get distorted without clear dependence on the written word of God. So it's, what do you think is right? This is what I think. And so we have those opinions, but we have that sense that there is a right and a wrong, uh, but it'll get distorted unless we always use this as our foundation for when the Gentiles who do not have the law do instinctively the things of the law, these not having the law are a law to themselves in that they show the work of the law written in their hearts. Uh, 
And so Paul's writing to the Jews who had the law and weren't following it. And he says, these Gentiles over here who do what's right don't have it because it's in their heart. They're way ahead of you. Their conscience bearing witness and their thoughts alternately accusing or else defending them. Their conscience. Number 13, there are at least 50 different blessings that come from God into the life of a believer when they read, study, memorize the Bible with diligence and faithfulness. God wanting to motivate us. Uh, I really like all the blessings that are mentioned there. And uh, so read, study it regularly. It is God's will that every believer be a teacher of the word to other believers. God works through the teaching of one Christian to another. Some have the gift of teaching. Some people say, well, I don't teach because I don't have the gift. Do you give money? Well, not a lot, but you give, don't you? Why? Well, because, uh, you know, aren't we supposed to? Yeah, we are, but you don't have the gift of giving, do you? Well, I don't think so. So why do you give? Well, so even though I don't have the gift of giving, I give sacrificially. Even though I don't have the gift of mercy, I try to be merciful <laughs> and compassionate. Uh, now, obviously, we have an area in which we're going to focus in, but we learn from those that are gifted. And all of us, well, the Bible says, are to be teachers in one way or another. When we teach, he gives supernatural grace to us so that we can teach clearly and accurately. Our teaching must be accompanied by diligence in prayer and study in order to be blessed with the unction of God uh, in our, on our teaching. Being designated by God as a high priest according to the order of Melchizedek. Concerning him, we have much to say. It is hard to explain you become dull of hearing. The reason is because they weren't reading the Bible. For though by this time, by this time, it's about two years, uh, generally speaking, that the, the, the audience here had been believers. By this time, you ought to be teachers. You have need again for someone to teach you the elementary principles of the oracles of God. You've come to need milk and not solid food. So they had to go back to the beginning. Here's a rule. If you don't teach it, you'll lose it. If you don't live it, it's going to go away. Everything that you learned will be like you never, never learned it. And so live it, teach it, otherwise it, uh, you'll have need again for someone to teach you the elementary, simple kindergarten stuff all over again. Everyone who partakes only of milk is not accustomed to the word of righteousness, for he is an infant. Solid food is for the mature, who because of practice, Greek word gymnasto, have their senses trained to discern good and evil. That means they read the Bible a lot. As we study the Bible, we recognize that gifted teachers have written commentary on the Bible. Therefore, we read their writings as an aid to our understanding of the Bible. And so you have to be careful picking those ones out, that they follow the rules. But when you find good uh, writers who understand, who are diligent, who study well, they're very, very helpful, especially in light of the context and the culture of the audience that was written to. In seeking accurate help in our understanding of the living Word of God, we look for authors who have beliefs that are sound. We study the Bible diligently, but we acknowledge that without the enlightening work of the Holy Spirit, we will not understand it. There are a number of factors that move the Holy Spirit to actively work and teach in our life, and there are those factors that will quench the Spirit's working in us. So if you're living a, out of the will of God, you're not going to get anything out of the Bible. It's going to be Greek to you, uh, or Hebrew, depending on whether you're reading Old or New Testament. Oh, we made it. Woo. So that's his sort of basic, my study, reading, uh, teaching, and for you as well, there's just some basic guidelines and principles. Follow them, and um, you'll do well. So we'll see you next week. Come Tuesday night. Come Tuesday night.
Otherwise, you'll never understand the Bible again.